my friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. I am Dr. Brian Greenwood, and you hear me say I'm super excited a lot to talk to, to former students, um, but this this one is, is definitely, uh, I am uh, super duper excited, I guess you could say here, because uh, this uh, former student is one that that meant a lot to me and meant a lot to Cal Poly, and uh and so uh, super excited to have Chris Eversley with us today. Hey, Chris. How you doing? It is. It has definitely been many, many moons since I was in college. And every time I take a step out of bed, I feel my age, but I couldn't, I can't complain. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. You still look, you still look very young. And so, uh, uh, you know, our, our, our podcast listeners won't be, they'll see, they'll just see your picture, but, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, looking good, looking like you just, uh, just stepped off, uh, uh, the the court after winning the Big West and leading us to the uh, NCAA tournament. Um, looks like you. I, I bet you could still do it. Oh, I, I try to. I try to every now and then. Um, yeah. you know, I go. I try to play a few times a week. Obviously, now with um, things kind of opening back up a little bit, the gyms are open, so I can get back to my usual self. And uh, there you go. For the past couple of years, it's just been summer league basketball, so it's nice to have full year i've actually come into my own i'm part of a few men's leagues so i know i'm over the hill at 30 so uh-huh but i bet, you, I bet you're out there dominating some men's leagues i love it so for that for those listeners who who are unaware of cal poly uh basketball history uh chris was uh the captain of our team in uh 2000 was that the 2013-14 season was yep. that what that was chris and um sure he uh he transferred from rice and came in and was um uh was a, a, a stalwart in our major and a captain of the basketball team led the cal poly to the big west title and um a victory in the ncaa tournament which was uh quite memorable for for uh all mustangs during that time and um i remember where i was when when that <laughs> happened i was at uh firestone just whooping it up and uh wow what a, what an awesome thing and and you know chris really made an impact on me through um through the classes that that he took with me because he was also a leader in the classroom and um you all you all know that um that i'm very big into sports-based youth development and <laughs> yes. so uh i love i love those um those student athletes who excel both um you know on on the court or the playing surface and and also in the classroom and Chris was definitely a leader uh, across the board there. So Chris, Chris is a 2014 graduate, and he's currently an employee experience specialist for altruists. So we're gonna we're gonna get into that and hear all about that and hear about his journey um, through professional basketball and and that sort of thing. But let's uh, let's go back in time a bit, Chris. Mm-hmm. Tell tell everyone where you're from. So originally, and I feel like this will be one of the more uh, roundabout kind of up to date <laughs> summaries we might have, but originally from Chicago, yeah. um, my parents are both from there. Uh, my, po- my parents both actually played basketball. Um, my mom played out here at Long Beach State. So she had always told me when I was leaving Rice, she's like, hey, if you can ever get a chance to go to school in California, do it. Yeah. So um, definitely decided to take her up on that. But before all of that, went to Walter Payton College Prep, which is downtown Chicago. Uh, I believe 2019 was the last year they they did the ratings because we were in we were actually in the classroom. Uh But in 2019, it was ranked the ninth best public high school in the country. 
Awesome. So, um, wow. yeah, so it was, uh, it was definitely an opportunity to, you know, really show people that you can do both, right. And you can be an athlete and you can be an inte- intellectual and intelligent per- person. And, um, yeah, Walter Payton uh, really lived that for sure. So exactly. I love that. That's where you that that's really cool. I did not know that. So that that is awesome. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So Walter Walter Payton College Prep downtown. Obviously, you know, with the academic component of it, Rice took notice. Rice is, uh, well, I guess, self-proclaimed the Harvard of the South. Yeah, so, right. <laughs> uh, um, you know, I was able to go there, picked up sports management to start. Um, was able to obviously get a, a division one scholarship to go there. And after my freshman year, things necessarily didn't work out. So, you know, I told myself, I'm like, well, my mom always says, if I can get to California, do it. And I figure if basketball doesn't work out, at least I'm in California kind of enjoying this, uh, pre rent slash pre gas price slash <laughs> like everything that California is, is no right. more at this point. Right. Uh, so I ended up out in Cal Poly and was able to, pick up, obviously, you know, a, a sort of a, a sideways step to, you know, Parks and Rec at the time. So, you know, obviously with it being Recreation Parks and Tourism Administration, as I know it, yeah, that's how many moons ago I was at, at Cal Poly. Right. But, um, you know, that was, it, it was a great opportunity to be able to step right into that and still have that focus in sports management. And then obviously the staff, um, you know, we're, we're, we have to take a lot of classes, whether it's electives, majors, all of that stuff. But just across the board, you know, everybody from the RPTA staff or the EIM staff now yeah. was just so influential and so helpful to me. And, you know, obviously, you know, we've had we've had this talk like way back in the day. But, yeah. you know, you, Jerusha, um, Bill, um, like all types, like everybody. So it's kind of just like it was a great opportunity. So I was already kind of feeling nervous because, OK, I'm going to a new school. I'm going yeah. across the country. But when I stepped into the classroom, I'm like, oh, wow, this is this is the type of this is the type of environment that not only I feel comfortable in, but these people actually care about fostering my growth. Yeah. Which is you know something that I think was very instrumental to my growth as a person at the time and as an athlete. Right. Because, again, if I'm if I'm not comfortable in the classroom, I'm probably not getting the grades I need to be able to play. Yeah. So um, you know, I tell people that all the time, like, hey, thank your professors because they do a lot more for you in the long term that you don't realize until you take a step away from things, right. you know? So um, if nobody's giving your flowers yet, I want to tell you, thank you. for everything. Oh, well, that I, you appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate that very much. I absolutely do. And, and thank you for that so much. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I had remembered you telling me that, that you were from Chicago. So tell me uh, what, what, what was it like? Did, what did your, what did your parents do growing up? You have brothers and sisters, that sort of thing. Yeah, so um, I have two older half brothers on my dad's side. Uh, all of us are, you know, from the south side of Chicago. My parents, um, I mean, my parents, they split up when I was two, but um, they're the best. They're they're best of friends, which is it's oh, cool. really odd to explain to people sometimes. But I like to tell people all the time. My parents were doing the whole co-parenting thing before it was cool. Right. right. So <laughs> okay, right. So I would uh, I would be with my mom during the weeks and then I'll be with my dad on the weekend. So, you know, both of them were kind of, you know, just making sure I was kind of staying on the staying on the track. Yeah. Um, you know, they kept me active. They didn't they had a, a feeling I would probably end up playing basketball once the height kind of kicked in. But, you know, they allowed me to do everything in terms of I played soccer. I was doing bowling leagues on Saturday mornings. I was nice. you know, trying tennis, swimming, like everything. They're like, look, you know, we're going to let you just choose what you want to go to. So, um, you know, there was. A lot of that, honestly, was 
a lot of the movement and a lot of the activity as a child was pretty much done to kind of keep me out of the streets because, you know, we didn't live in the best of neighborhoods and, you know, honestly, I couldn't go outside, like ride my bike up and down the block when like in my first neighborhood growing up. So, um, you know, we stayed busy because I couldn't go outside and play like a normal kid, right. Right. (laughs) Because you have all this violence and everything going on around me. So, um, that changed, we moved to uh, a better neighborhood afterwards. So I was kind of able to get out a little bit once, you know, you start getting those like social cues and, you know, you start getting old enough to, to actually understand the world around you a little bit again, as a, as an eight or nine year old. Yeah. Right. But, uh, you know, but yeah, so it was, uh, you know, again, they both played, my dad was drafted by the bulls and then played for seven years overseas in Sweden. My mom was a four-year player for long beach state back when they were top four in the country. So, um, I kind of, I kind of had to do this. I couldn't really be a a six, seven, (laughs) Right. Uh, nothing against six, seven accounts for anybody listening. It's just, right, it wasn't right. for me. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Oh, well, I love it. That is awesome. And, um, uh, so, so you, you've gone, you've gone through a little bit about what you were like growing up. Did you have, um, you know, I, I like to ask this question because I, I don't really, I don't remember, really remember what I wanted to be when, <laughs> when I grew up. Right. <laughs> but I, I know some people do. And so I feel like it's a question that I can ask. And, and if you're like me, you don't remember, but uh, that that's fine too. But do you remember like uh, what you wanted to be when you, when you grew up or, or was it, uh, you know, I imagine growing up there in Chicago with, with, with my man, uh, Michael Jordan as, oh, yeah. uh, as the, uh, <laughs> as the goat, uh, you know, it might be hard to, to see anything else, but, but do you remember what you wanted to be? Uh, yeah, uh, honestly, ever since I, so up until my freshman year in high school, I, I was doing baseball, football and basketball. Right. And my parents came to me like, look, you've been doing X amount of sports for X amount of years. Let's focus on one because the one that you choose now is the one you're going to have to put everything into if you want to be able to, you know, reap the benefits of, you know, either partial education for college or full, you know, full scholarship. So um, I decided, you know, I I took a bet on my five, eight self at the time. And I was like, Uh, you were five, eight as a (laughs) freshman? As a freshman in high school. Right. Um, So I took a bet on myself and then I just told myself, you know what, if I'm going to do this, when I grow up, I want to be a professional basketball player. Like I want to go, whether it may, even if it's not the NBA, I want to play professional basketball. I want to travel the world. I want to do all these cool things. Right. So ever since, again, since 13, I told myself, look, this is what I want to do when I grow up. And the next nine years of my life were just dedicated to getting to that point. And right. um, yeah, so that, I mean, that's how what I set out to do. Right. right. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I, I love, I love what your, what your parents did there. I mean, because, uh, I, I feel like that that's a good age for it, right? Like, like you, you develop, I think you've developed skills in by playing multiple sports as, as a younger kid mm-hmm. that ultimately helped you in the long run in basketball, I, I think. And um, I think we're specializing probably a little too early now. Um, the, the tendency is if you haven't decided by seven or eight, <laughs> you exactly. know, you're, 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 you're off the track or whatever. And I just don't think that's the, I just don't think that's the right model personally. And, um, and I love hearing that you were five, eight, that explains why, <laughs> that explains why your handle was so much better, right. As you, because you had, right. to, you had to have those skills and then you just grew and shot up and you had those ball handling skills. Whereas kids who shoot up really early, 
they're not ever really expected to bring the ball up. They're just like exactly. posting up. They're posting up at a young age. Right. You know? so. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's definitely, you know, it's it's a testament that, that, you know, not only obviously, you know, working with my parents and stuff like that, but again, them, I'm forever indebted to them because them being basketball players, they knew that. Right. So like, look, right. yes, my mom is six three, my dad is six five. So you're probably going to be tall, but just mm-hmm. in case, let's mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're going to do this, if you're going to fully commit to this, let's give you all the tools that you need to be successful. Right. And again, they've done that countless times on the court, off the court. So again, right. can't say enough about them. Love it. Shout out to mom and dad. I love that. So, <laughs> so let's talk about let's talk about now. Um, you're uh, leading out of Cal Poly, you know, so a lot of, um, you know, you and I have talked about this before and you, you've um, been great in participating in our studies with the career development and career identity stuff with, and, and done interviews with that. So let's talk about that process. You know, as a student athlete, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of student athletes do have opportunities to move on to professional endeavors, right, in their, in their sports. Um, but others don't. And, and, um, and so it can be kind of, there can be some, some tough transitions along those lines. Right. And so can you talk about that and what those early years were like, whether it was your internship and and then moving into professional basketball and, and what all that experience was like for you? Yeah. So that's the one thing I honestly, I appreciated the most, I would say about our major. Right. And, the, and for those who on this call who aren't familiar either with our major or how we kind of set things up. But when we get to the internship stage, you know, we're out in the community. Um, I remember myself at Anae McPike, we were doing and I think it was uh, Ariana Elegado who also played my year. Yeah. Um, so we were three athletes who, you know, we were all about to graduate soon. And we got to the internship program and we were out in the community. Right. And again, it was literally the the essence of learn by doing. And, you know, for people who essentially know that they're going to go into this field of whether it's going to be, I mean, I know people from our major that have gone into events to like uh, to park range, whatever it is, whatever have you. Right. But it, it, I really think that the internship program at Cal Poly is a catalyst for that because it gives you that real world experience right. at a point in which you're old enough to know if it's for you, if it's not for you. You know what I mean? So it's kind of you get that gist of it to like, OK. Before things start to get clouded by salaries, monies, um, hierarchical structures and, you know, corporate America, whatever it is, it's just a true, genuine experience of, hey, is this something that I want to do with my life? And if it is, then let's start going down that path. And yes, you may pivot, you may pivot here or there, but it's an opportunity to see mm-hmm. that, hey, look, Cal Poly is going to look out for me and make sure I'm prepared. Either I'm going to do this or I'm not, but the opportunity is there for me to at least make the decision. Right. Love that. I love that. So, so no, I know obviously, uh, because I, uh, I, I've kept, I've kept up with you and I, I know that you, you ended up reaching your dream of professional basketball. <laughs> right. And so it might not have been with the bulls, but, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> but, uh, but, it, but, but you did. And, and you, uh, you were, you were pretty successful in some of your endeavors. So let's talk about that traveling the world experience and, and what it was like and, and tell our listeners, um, the accolades, the experiences, the ups and downs. I know there were probably, there weren't, oh, yeah. there weren't always ups, but uh, <laughs> so what, what was that whole period like? Well, I think the, the most interesting part about it all is, you know, 
we have this, and this can, you know, this is obviously a much deeper conversation for another time that maybe we can have on the golf course, right? But we deal with this thing of, uh, we deal with this issue of societal constructs, right? Where I know you talked about it earlier, where if a, if a child hasn't made a decision by seven or eight about what they want to do when they're 30 and that their 401k is going to be full and they can retire at 50, yeah. then, you know, that's that's the problem we're dealing with right now is this this issue of instant gratification. So the one thing I always told myself growing up and my parents kind of just instilled in me, were like, look, to your point, you're you're going to be able to reach what you want to do because you set aside the time to be great at it, right? And you know, for those of you who are familiar with the ten thousand hour rule, I don't know if I ever made it to ten thousand, but I'm pretty sure I was I was close, right? And you know, when you invest that much time into something, you really say like, this is my craft, this is where I really want to do. You have to know that no matter how good you get at something, you're still going to have those bad days, right? So, my personal, uh, you know my personal experience for my, my playing career overseas was, so two weeks after graduation, I went to Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, which is 15 hours in the future. First of all, I, again, two weeks removed from graduation. <laughs> so, right. you crazy, know, yeah. just right to it. Um, you know, I land there again, in culture shock. Luckily everybody speaks English, uh, Kuala Lumpur, great city. So I consider, I still consider it a second home, but, um, you know, people there are just, People in Southeast Asia, because the league was set up pretty cool, where every team is in a different country. Mm-hmm. So you're allowed to kind of just like travel. So you'll wake up Wednesday, you know, you'll practice, you'll get on a plane to go to Thailand, you'll play in Bangkok Thursday night, wake up Friday, fly to Taiwan, play in Taiwan Saturday night, and then go back to Kuala Lumpur on Sunday morning. Wow. You know what I mean? So like this is this is the lifestyle that was that, w- that I was going through at 23 and then again at 27 and 28. Yeah. But, um, you know, what you what you start to realize as and this is what I tell people all the time, like, are you upset you never made it to the NBA? I'm like, no, because the things that I learned playing professionally where I can't have everything at my disposal or I can't just go buy something because I have hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. Those lessons are way more important than anything I could have ever learned. Right. And on in an NBA kind of like lane. Right? right. And the reason I say that. The the example I love to use is the Philippines, right? The Philippines, they have a huge basketball community. You know, they have their own basically like NBA TV, like whatever it is. So PBA TV, like all that stuff. But you go to these games and the country is not America in terms of like financials, right? right? So you have these people that are scraping up money to basically come watch you play. And, you know, after the game, they want to take pictures. Even if you're on the away team, they want to take pictures. They want autographs. Oh, wow. And, you know, the more times that I start to experience that in, in the, the Philippines, the Indonesias, the you know what I mean? These places that are, yeah. are natural beauties. But again, in terms of financials, they're not caught up to the rest of the world just yet. Mm-hmm. You start to realize that you're doing something for people that can never financially repay you. Wow. Which is something that. And like literally in 30 years, that is probably the biggest lesson I've learned is, is how you define success, right? And for me, success is how many people can I help with the tools that I've been given or I'm still acquiring yeah. or, you know, sharpening, whatever have you. Yeah. So that's what my basketball career turned into. It was like, yeah, I still love the game. I still love to travel. I still love to do this and that. But I want to be able to inspire somebody in the next generation to be like, okay, well, hey, there's a person who was not defined or didn't let himself be defined by his environment growing up. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like these kids who are in, you know, um, lesser fortunate situations can see somebody as a symbol of like, Oh, I want to aspire to be that person. 
Right. Or, and you know, I want to at least aspire. And then if I don't reach it, then I'm, I'm close. Right. Right. I yeah. Love so, it. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's just, that's just so, that's just so awesome. So, so let's talk about now that, that transition, you know, out of, uh, out of professional ball and, and, um, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, ultimately to what you, to what you're, you're now doing, you know, I know you spent a little bit of time, um, with the with YMCA and, um, and with American three baller and, and other, um, and other endeavors, um, let's, uh, we, we don't have to skip those years. I want you to kind of give us, uh, but, but I don't want you to have to go through each right. and every, each and every <laughs> job and that sort of thing. So uh, let, let's talk about like that period and, and what you, what you learn from, you know, hanging up the, uh, hanging up the high tops, uh, mm-hmm. so to speak to, to transitioning into the professional world, um, to what you're doing now, you know, at altruist. Yeah. So, I mean, the transition, it was tough. And I tell people this all the time, whether it's, you know, whether I'm doing business consulting or people who want to start companies or whatever it is. So this this is not strictly applicable to sports, but any type of, any type of new role or new environment or new ecosystem that you're going to enter in, in which you have no former experience, but it's interesting, it's going to be tough because you don't have, it's not like, you know, if, I've made the decision to go into economics, right? And I never took an econ class in college. Like, yeah, it's going to be tough. So people just have to get comfortable with that. Like, look, if you're going to make this decision, you're going to have to put in your 10,000 hours to be great at it, to get the life that you want to live. So fortunately for me, um, I had a great, I had a great support system when I decided to step away um, from, from basketball. So at the time it had been 24 years I've been playing I'm like, you know what? I'm ready to, to do something else. I know that there's just a lot more for me to give to this planet than just playing basketball. So, right. um, you know, making sure that for people that are going through a transitionary period like this or kind of see it on the horizon, if it's not tomorrow, per se, mm-hmm. I would just say make sure you're surrounding yourself with people who may not they may not be experts in the field that you're going to, but they've experienced a transition that's, you know, eerily similar you know, to what you're going to go through, because again, you can go to them for advice and you can go to them for like, Hey, what do I do about this? And while the, it may not be one-to-one on expert advice it's general frameworks that can help you. So um, that transition from basketball to the corporate world per se, or going to the YMCA, Mm -hmm. um, it was easy because the people that were around me were the ones that were kind of like keeping me focused and just, saying like, hey, you know, you have this degree in, in, in parks and rec and, you know, you obviously love to get back to the community. So it's a no brainer. Don't let the corporate structure scare you. Right. Because if it's at the end of the day, if you're passionate about what you're doing, structure doesn't matter. Um, you know, obviously fin- like financials do come into play, um, you know, and the why being a nonprofit, like there are just certain limitations that go along with that. But again, if it, I was able to step into a director role as my first real job. Right. So, um, you know, that's one thing is sometimes not everybody's as fortunate. And you're going to have to start off in like a standard BDR role or an SDR role. Like if you're going to do sales, you kind of have to get that experience. If, it, if you're going to be pivoting careers with, you know, the great resignation, if you will. Yeah. Um, so um, after that, I was I was a sports director for them for about 10 months, uh, seven months into it. COVID started. So I actually took over membership as well. Uh-huh. And then in July of 2020, I was laid off by them due to COVID because we were trying, they basically turned into a childcare facility. Yeah. And 
was like, I want, I want nothing to do with children. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I hear you. As and good so, as you are with kids. And I know you are good with kids. <laughs> but that's, not, right. that's not, that wasn't your jam. I exactly. That. Exactly. Not be my jam either. <laughs> right. Right. And that's again, again, you got to be honest with yourself. And I'm like, that's look, right, you do. We can make a, we can make a mutual decision about this. Like that is perfectly fine. Right. So, um, then the one of the more important phases of my life started, right? There was a job in which I had, I thought was, you know, it was stable, um, obviously since pandemic, but, you know, I was like, oh man, like I'm really loving this. So, you know, when you get laid off, yes, it may not have been the path for me, but it still hurt, right? Because like, you know, you're losing, you're losing stability in an unstable time, which is, right. you know, it's not, it's not math where two negatives make a positive by any means. So, um, you know, I think that that phase of being laid off, it, I really spent a couple months in kind of just a free fall. And, you know, uh, that's another thing for people to be able to just, I want people to understand that are listening to this is yes, things are not always going to go as planned, right? We, we set up these, these roadmaps and we set up these different types of initiatives that we want to embark on. And yes, there's going to be, there's going to be roadblocks. You're going to get a flat tire. You're, you're going to run out of gas, like all types of things that are going to try to deter your vision. But, you know, you're going to have to do what you have to do. And for me, in that period between leaving the YMCA and starting at Altruist, a lot of people don't know this. Right. But again, kind of going back to doing what you what you have to do to make ends meet. Right. Especially living here in Los Angeles is not cheap. Yeah. You know, I was basically I was doing software sales in the morning. Right. So I was waking up, taking calls at 6 a.m. for clients on the East Coast, sometimes 5 a.m. for clients in Africa or in Europe or whatever. Right. And then once five o'clock hit, I basically had to start like ironing my clothes and I was being a host in Beverly Hills at a restaurant. Wow. So like, exactly. And I did this, I did this for five months. Um, So basically, yeah, from it was November, no, October, November, December, January, February, is it like that? I did that pretty much every day. And I was at the restaurant probably like four days a week. So, you know, and then I'm still, I still got to work in time to go to the gym. I still got to go work in time to hang out with my parents, like all of this stuff and still try to have a life. Yeah. But, you know, that, that whole thing about people saying, oh, it's just about the resilience is true. Right. Because again, I spent the last 18 months of my life building the life I'm living now. Right. And people get caught up in, Oh, I'm not kind of going back to our instant gratification thing, right? Where it's like, yeah. oh, I'm not getting, I'm not getting the money I need right now. I'm not getting the right. opportunities I need right now. It's like, no, you're not. Right. <laughs> and that you have to be okay with that. And you have to understand that, like, look, you're gonna fall down. And some of those falls are longer than others because there's more steps on the on the right. staircase. Right. You know, but at the end of the day, like you're gonna hit the ground originally, you're gonna dust yourself off and you're gonna get back up to walking and go about your business. I so, you know, people when they're in these downfalls and when things aren't going their way, I just encourage them that, you know, again, that's why the people around you are so important because mm-hmm. um, my dad always told me growing up, not everybody getting in your car is going in the same direction, right? I so it's kind of like, look, when you get the people you put in your car they have to be, look, we're all aligned. Like we may be going to different houses, but we're going to the same block. Right. Right. <laughs> so right. Um, that's, that's something that I definitely tell people. And I want people to just embrace the journey because, you know, even now, um, you know, as, as good as things have gone, there's still days where again, days are, are going to be longer. You're going to have to continue to put in those hours, but the time that you're putting in during your struggle, 
you know, it, it's just making you that much more stronger because when you get to the life that you want, you understand and you can appreciate it more because like, yeah, I, I really grinded for this. <laughs> so right. Yeah. That leads us. Yeah. That leads us to basically how that led me to altruist, I guess. Right. Wow. Uh, Chris, I just can't, I can't thank you <laughs> enough. Cause that's, uh, that's, a. Uh, just such great advice for, for not, not just current or prospective students, but anyone out there that, that happens to, to listen to this podcast. Um, uh, they, they just got, they just got a gem dropped on them. I mean, because that's just, uh, that's just such great life advice. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's fabulous. And, um, uh, I, I could not agree any more strongly with what you just said. Um, so let's talk now about altruists. Tell us a little bit um, about um, about what altruist is about, and then you you also I know you're doing your own consulting as well. So so tell us uh, tell us a little bit about both, if you will. And there's actually a third. There's a third. So oh, I'm sure. I'm right. sure. <laughs> so, but you know, we'll we'll kind of break it down like this. So altruist, we are a fintech company. Uh, for those of you unfamiliar with the term financial technology, right. Um, right. so just a little 10 second background. Traditionally, finance has been, you know, um, when you think finance, you think of Wall Street. You know, you think of Wolf of Wall Street. You think of Michael Douglas in the game. You think of all these things, right? Right. So um, with the birth of so much technology recently, um, you know, whether it's block, block, like blockchain technology, whatever it is, you just think about finance and making it digital and online because that's the medium in which our society chooses to consume information now. So mm-hmm. we're a fintech company out of Venice. Um, and basically what we do is uh, altruism by definition is obviously, you know, you want to do your best job to be the best opportunity for people, right? And, you know, you can slice that wherever you get away. So we took the finance route where, you know, f- uh, financial advice has always been seen as an opportunity for the rich, right? The one percent. It's like, oh, I have to have X amount of millions in my bank account if I want to have a financial advisor. Yeah. Our CEO Jason was—he's worked with multiple finance companies. He's built two of them. This is his third. He doesn't agree with that because he believes everybody should have access to this advice. So what we've built is a platform that is a low cost for our advisors, which then they can pass on those lower costs to their clients. So, you know, it's an opportunity for a person, the average person, no matter how much money you have in your bank account, if you want to give financial advice, you can find somebody or, you know, we have a platform of which you can essentially, you know, you can be with an advisor who's on our platform and they manage your money and all of that fun stuff that comes with the financial advice. But it's at a lower, it's at a lower price for the client and the advisor. So that's, that's in a nutshell what we do. Um, And I actually started out in recruiting. Yeah, I saw that. I started out in recruiting, which is uh, definitely something I never saw myself in. Right. But, uh, you know, recruiting recruiting and, um, you know, I started off as a coordinator and, you know, kind of just like making sure people were supported, kind of just making sure I love to just help people. So making it, um, I've grown into being a more detail oriented person as a, as a, as an adult. Right, so for right. those of you who are not into details now, don't worry, your day is coming. Right. So, <laughs> right. You, you get it. You have to, right. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I've been doing basically like I've been in the, re- in the recruiting team for the past year. And then as of two weeks ago, I was actually able to transition to employee experience uh, because I just believe in making sure everybody is set up to be successful and making sure that your employees are engaged because employee happiness is is so 
1990s, right? Like how happy are your employees? No, how engaged are your employees? Because an engaged employee is going to bring you referrals. An engaged employee is going to give you their best work day in and day out. So, uh, you know, I've been telling people, I'm like, look, yes, we've had this great resignation, but I'm, I'm, I'm the first person I've heard say this. So I'm going to take full responsibility for coining this term, but I want to go with the great retention, right? I want companies to be able to retain their top talent and I want them to be able, because the cost, I mean, and you know, this is the cost of replacing a, a, a key player on a team. Mm-hmm. Let's take somebody making $200,000 a year, right? The cost to replace that person is just under a million, right? Because you have to go, you have to recruit you. Sometimes if it's an executive, you have to go through an executive search firm. You have to spend all the man hours interviewing. You have to spend a, just the entire, like a whole bunch of resources that are going to equate to, you know, three and a half, four, four and a half times this person's salary. Yeah. So that's where employee experience is really important to me because I want to make sure that not only our employees are engaged, we're getting the best work, but I'm creating the ecosystem in which people want to be here, right? So if an opportunity comes up where like, hey, I'm not really feeling this role anymore. Well, hey, let's look within the company first before you go outside and start looking at different storefronts and everything. So, right. um, yeah, you know, I just, I've been obsessed with this idea of creating ecosystems, right? So it's a, it's a framework in which I stole from Apple, the, uh, the IP from Apple in terms of like, you think about everything that Apple has to offer. Apple makes computers, Apple makes headphones, Apple makes phones, you know what I mean? Like all of these things, Right. To keep you in, and then they they make them all synergistic. So you know your texts are coming through in your computer, and you know you can yeah. do all these things. Yeah. So when you when you kind of take a deeper dive into that, that's where I lay now. Where it's like, okay, I want to create the ecosystem that people want to be a part of. So social events, career ladders, career, career trajectories, you know, networking, all of these types of things. So it's um, it's an it's an architecture type of situation, which is very complicated because the most volatile variable in this world right now is not cryptocurrency, it's people. Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's like, we're we're in a people industry. So I think that's one thing that people need to be able to understand. It's like, look, you're going to have to, if you're a creator, if you're an idealist, you're going to be dealing with people. So you're always going to get good. You're going to get bad. But at the end of the day, if you're staying true to your own morals, your own ethics, your own values, you can't go wrong. So that's what this role is for me. And that's why I love it every day. And I, you know, I enjoy making sure people are set up for success for the short term and long term. Well, I just, I, I just love hearing, I just love hearing your perspective on things. Chris. I can't tell you enough. Um, and, and, you know, um, it's really interesting because, you know, you were at Cal Poly before we transitioned to experience industry management. And, um, and you know, our, our transition was really more about an umbrella, right? Like we wanted an umbrella to an umbrella term to describe um, what we did. So we didn't have to list, uh, you know, special events, sport, recreation, tourism, <laughs> right. all these things. Right. But an unintended benefit that has come out of it is that we realized that the experience economy was exploding Mm -hmm. and we realized that every organization on earth in some way, shape or form is co-creating experiences 
whether it be with employees or clients or customers, users, guests, visitors, whoever, you know, whoever it might be. And so when I look and I, I scan, you know, our graduates and our alumni, there are a really large number of, of, um, of alumni who are working in employee experiences uh, like you. And, and so I think that stems from, you know, I tell people like it is a management degree, but it's a management degree that's focused on understanding the experiences that people have and, and what you just what you just articulated is like, I mean, you could, you could teach a master class right here at Cal Poly right now. <laughs> we need to bring you back to teach employee experiences because um, that was just, uh, that was just amazing. So tell us also, you know, I, I'm um, sorry, I, I didn't, um, I didn't bring up in it's in for a way. Is that also, is that oh, one yeah, of the Air other? Oh no, is you're that, good. Yeah. yeah for way. So just so to kind of like show those two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Infraway actually was started by Max Bikowski. So Max actually was my teammate uh, on I the California. There was a connection there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what so I was Max thinking. That was, was okay. Yeah, yeah. Max was our. Uh, he was our. He was our hype man, if you will, uh, for our team. Like you know, you'd always get us hyped before games and everything. But yeah, Max is. Uh, I mean, Max is one of the smartest people on this planet, and he started this. He started this product called Infraway out of his need for uh, low back pain management because so a little background on Max. So Max was my teammate. After I left Cal Poly, Max joined the football team. And after the football team, then he became one of the sport, the strength and conditioning coaches for basketball and football. Oh, wow. Right. So Matt, like during his time playing, actually, Max had, uh, he had torn his labrums, I believe. So he, you know, he suffers from a low intermittent back pain or chronic back pain. So he created this product, which is basically, low infrared back heat, uh, which is against the industry standard. When you look at companies like Hyperice, it's, you know, kind of like a, uh, you know, they use vibration and heat or, you know, or when you watch NBA games, you see like LeBron on the bench, like, you know, he has like the huge wraps around his knees. So yeah. that's hydroculator technology. Now the things that, that aren't, they're just not, um, as a person who's used all these products, the one thing that, that really like sold me on, you know, really wanted to help Max out on this one is the accessibility of it, because obviously, you know, it's, it's not that expensive, but also the use like you can use it. I could have it on right now. You wouldn't even know, you know, in a super covert, you can kind of just like keep moving, but all of that to say like the technology, but not only that, but to help out somebody who I knew was again in my car going in the same direction. I love it. So, yeah. Right. 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 So Max definitely, you know, he he created the product and then he brought me on to head sales and uh, partnerships and, you know, community. So he brought the product down to me in L.A., of, I think, like four years ago. And him and I took it up to Sports Academy, uh, which is the, like formerly the Mind Academy. And, you know, we put it on some athletes, you know, had them test it out. And, you know, as soon as we got that initial feedback, we're like, oh, no, we actually have something. This is this is big. So, you know, Max has spent the last couple of years really just refining the product. Um, we actually, we have all of our prototypes being built by senior project teams at Cal Poly. No way. Oh, yeah. cool. So that's a, that's a way that, so he's giving back to Infraway, or he's giving back to Cal Poly in that way, right? Where we sponsor, you know, these, these senior project teams to kind of help us build out our pipeline of products. Yeah. And um, so that's the way that he's doing it. And again, obviously helping him on this initiative. And then for me, I started the Overtime Consulting, which is essentially 
kind of what we talked about, about when people are transitioning into their careers out of, mm-hmm. out of a sport per se. And I say sport just because it's pertaining to me, right. but again, it could be a college student who never played a sport, but just wants to be around individuals who are going to go do whatever. Right. Um, I created this, this company and it's currently structured as a nonprofit, but I might get, I might restructure it to be a for-profit just because there's just, there's certain benefits to that. And it'll allow me obviously to pour money back into it as opposed to just relying on donations and like 501c3 status, but I don't mean to nerd out, but anyway, right, right, right. <laughs> um, but no, like I want to be able to, I've created this company called Overtime Consulting to basically help people transition into the workforce, right? right? So when you come on with us, you know, we want to put you through a variety of industry standard, you know, like standardized tests. So we want to know your Myers-Briggs. We want to know things that are going to be relevant to a future hiring manager. Like what is this person's best communication style? We want to make sure that we outfit people with the right tools. Like, okay, how do I write a resume? How do I do an interview? How do I conduct an interview in case I'm going to go be in a managerial role? Right. All of these things that I've learned, again, over the past 18 months have led me to now where I'm in a position to not only continue to learn, but also start to reach back and like open the door and be like, Hey, y'all like, come on in. Other you know people. I mean? Yeah. I love that. I want to be able to put people in a position to be successful. So, um, you know, athletes, again, I have a soft spot for them. And when I originally set out for overtime consulting, I mean, you could probably tell from the name, it was geared by athletes, but you know, what I don't want to do is think, I don't want to have people think it's segmented only for athletes because at the end of the day, I want to help as many people as I can with the tools that I have. Right. Right. Yeah. I love it. I love it. That's so great. And that, that just speaks to your, to your ethic that, that we've, we've heard throughout um, your, your talk here today is that, that giving back and, mm-hmm. and, and wanting to, to pay it forward. And, and, um, and uh, I, I just, uh, I can't thank you enough and uh, just really appreciate you taking the time. I can't imagine you've got all these, you're wearing all these different hats and uh, <laughs> doing all these amazing things. And um, I've just been, just been so impressed, uh, Chris. And, um, you know, you, you impressed me from day one, uh, you know, from day one, sitting appreciate in the that. classroom, like I said, um being a leader in the classroom and then, you know, going to going to my gym and going, Whoa, that dude, <laughs> that dude can ball too. Wow, he's a leader on the court too, you know? And, um, and, you know, it wasn't just your play, it was your leadership. And I mean, you could just tell, um, you know, you, you've got that, uh, you've got that it factor, my friend, where, uh, that, that, that really, that people are drawn to and, um, just want to, just want to thank you again for giving us the time. You dropped so many gems on us here today. I can't even imagine, you know, but, uh, but really appreciate it. And, um, don't hesitate to reach out if you ever need anything, you know, I'm here and, and happy to help. And, uh, thanks for your time today. Oh, no, of course not. Obviously like anytime I can, you know, again, as, as you mentioned, I love to get back, especially to Cal Poly. So, you know, if there's ever a situation in a world in a post pandemic world where you want to do something or, you know, I'll come up there and speak to, to people or, you know, any type of, if we put together a speaker series for our, you know, for our major, I think it would be pretty cool. Um, but again, like I said, people can find me on LinkedIn. I'm, my door, my virtual door is always open. And, um, you know, for people who are listening to this, that are either Cal Poly graduates or, you know, thinking about maybe there's a parent out there listening you know, to, to, they're thinking about colleges for their kid or maybe they'll relay this to whatever. Right. The one thing I would like to tell them is Cal Poly would be a great 
place to send your children to invest in their future. But more importantly, like if you're thinking about the industry, industry, you know, the industry standard and the experience that we want to start to do with that. I think the rebranding that that you were able to do as a department, again, it it shows the adaptability yeah. and the foresight to be like, look, this is the way things are trend. This is the way things are transitioning towards, yeah. right? So, right, the foresight to have that and to make that decision for the best interest and you know to create that umbrella mm-hmm. is just another reason on the the long list of reasons. You know, I'm just so proud to be an alumni, and I know that the people that took care of me are still taking care of the next generation and we'll continue to do so right. until it's time to go retire in Tahiti. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> to play golf. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Uh, well, um, you know, I, I appreciate, I appreciate you saying that. And, um, you know, we, uh, you know, we, and we, and, um, uh, we academics, uh, sometimes have been criticized for, for staying too stagnant and, um, and so I have to I have to credit Dr. Hendricks' leadership along those lines, not letting us uh, not letting us accept the status quo. And and you know I think um, I think it's students like you and 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 all of the the amazing students that we've that we've had over the years that that kind of push us. You know we can't just uh, we've got students that come into the classroom that want to grow and experience things and. They're not going to just let us do the same PowerPoint for 12, 10 years or 12 years or whatever. You know, <laughs> you know I remember like my days in, in college where I was like, how old is that overhead <laughs> that, that, that that dude is putting on top of this? Now, you know, uh, most of the listeners don't even know what an overhead projector an overhead is. Projector is. <laughs> you probably remember. I, do. Right? I remember. Yeah, you remember. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, man. I, I, uh, I always I would laugh. Uh, I remember like 10 years ago laughing. I'm like, they still have these overhead projectors in this classroom. That speaks to something with academics, like exactly. in the rollaway TVs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, but uh, yeah, Chris, thanks so much. And and I am sure some of our, our current um, students will take you up on that in terms of um, connecting. Um, you know, LinkedIn has been such an amazing resource to be able to, to stay connected. And so, yeah, uh, some of our students will, will, uh, I am sure hit you up, uh, once this, uh, once Please. this uh, podcast launches. And so, uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Oh, no, of course. And like, I mean, just to echo that point, I I'm serious about that in terms of, you know, especially Cal Poly students and Cal Poly alum. Um, you know, if you guys, if you're listening to this and you just have questions about, you know, your future or you, you know, maybe you're dealing with points of uncertainty, uh, use me as a resource. Um, you know, like I said, you can find me on LinkedIn. We can definitely put time on the calendar for meetings and, and just stuff like that. Because at the end of the day, I want to help everybody, but Cal Poly students get first first priority. There you go. First Tim's. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. They're they're gonna ride. They got to call shotgun. They did. That's fine. I only got. I have a. I have a two seater anyway. So that's it. It's very. Uh... <laughs> I, I know. But you know. You know what I'm saying. I, I'm, I'm relating it back to in your car. Uh-huh, exactly. He's riding exactly. in your car. They got a call shot. Specialized. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thanks so much, Chris. Of course. Thank you for having me. Yeah.